Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Praise the Lord, church. Well, the saying in the Midwest is if you don't like the weather, stick around, it'll change. Yeah. <laughs> Woke up to snow yesterday morning and now the sun's shining today. We just needed to, those temperatures to climb up there a little bit. But um, once again, I count this as an honor to stand in this pulpit and to bring you what the Lord has laid upon my heart. I can't express how great it is to be part of such a loving church and to have a pastor that believes and encourages you in your ministry. What a blessing I count it. Tonight, we're going to be taking our text from Acts chapter 5, starting with verse 12. <clears throat> and though the hands of the apostles, sorry, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both the men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by them. Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> hmm. I'm sorry, I lost my place. Um, Yet none of the rest, uh, I'm sorry, um, laid them on their beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities in Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up, and all those that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands upon the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people, all the world, all the words of this life. And when they had heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called counsel together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. They returned saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when they had opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you to teach in his name? And look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intended to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. 
The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered, hanging on a tree. Him, God, has exalted his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are here as his witness to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us to those who obey him. Can you say amen to the word of God? So to paint you a picture of the text that we just heard read, and also reflecting some of chapter 4, Peter and John are coming off adding 5,000 believers and being thrown into, the, thrown into jail for professing healing and salvation in the name of Jesus after being strictly commanded to stop teaching in that name. We catch back up with Peter and the apostles in verse 12 doing the same thing as that got them thrown into prison just a chapter back. I don't think you could have threatened these men with anything after seeing the miracles that were taking place in front of their very own eyes. The church was growing in power. One could say that it was gaining momentum. With every step forward, there is sure to be opposition around the corner. But those men lived their lives sold out in complete obedience to Jesus that in turn gave us the blueprint to apostolic revival in the face of adversity. If you would allow me, I'd like to take a few moments and just speak on a simple subject, obeying Jesus rather than men. In these scriptures, we can see the apostles were continuing in their mission of teaching, preaching, and making disciples, and bringing healing wherever they were. So much as people were bringing the sick and laying them on the side of the road for just the hope that Peter's shadow would fall upon them, making them whole again. Of course, this brought much attention to themselves that the high priests and the Sadducees rose up against them. This is a great example of what Pastor spoke about this past Sunday, about pursuing and continuing in your ministry, and even though it's it gets the attention of the adversary. Make no mistake when you start making an impression in the spiritual that not only you will have the attention of the Almighty, you will also gain the attention of the enemy as well. That's why I believe it's important to know who you are in the kingdom of God. So when attack and offense comes, you can't be swayed easily. We sang last week, I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You sing it, but do you believe it? We need to grasp the knowledge that that same Holy Ghost that was flowing through the the apostles is the same Holy Ghost power you and I have today. Each and every one under the sound of my voice has been given a God-given destiny that only you can fulfill. Praise God. These apostles knew this. And I believe this is what added to their effectiveness. <clears throat> My wife has a nickname that uh, she calls me on occasion. And no, it's not the incredible Mr. T. It's, which I do like that one. I do like that one. But it's just plain and simple. And it paints a simple, easy picture. She simply calls me the oak. The oak tree is known to be a tough and solid tree. Its roots run deep. And any carpenter that has worked with this wood knows what I'm talking about. I consider it an honor to be called an oak 
from my wife. She knows that I won't be easily swayed. I'm steadfast in my beliefs, and when I make up my mind, there's pretty much no changing it, hence my hard-headedness <laughs> at times. Believe you me, I know it can be easier to obey men rather than God at times. When I say man, I'm also talking about we ourselves. We can easily talk ourselves out of obedience. We can be guilty of this at times, which reminds me of this vlog I was listening to the other day. Um, this man was talking about how, he can e how we can easily talk ourselves out of things. Uh, so much that we won't even complete the task at hand. Um, this, this angered him so much that he decided to get a pen and a paper and write down everything that he was thinking at that moment. Um, he, was, he was going on a run for 20 miles, and he was trying to talk himself out of, of going on this run. And he eventually stopped after he got a, a good list compiled, and he looked at it, and he just said, I don't like this guy. This guy's weak. This guy, this, this is not who I am. It angered him so much that he finally just convinced him into going for that run. <clears throat> um, which I thought that was a neat method of self-motivating yourself until I tried it myself. And wow, um, I can be pretty convincing when I don't want to do something. Um, but I'm not just talking about the small things. Instead, I'm talking about big things. We can't be weak-kneed, easily swayed, and open to compromise about the things of God. Reading the word, prayer, and being in this house whenever these doors are open are just a few things. All throughout the book of Deuteronomy, you can find scriptures on obeying the commandments of God. But I also like in Revelation 22:14. It states, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. That, my friends, is the ultimate reward we are all chasing after. Amen. Let's talk about obedience for a minute. As I was studying these scriptures and meditating on this subject, I don't think it would be fitting of me to talk about obedience without discussing cost. Yes, true obedience comes with cost. It costs the apostles everything. We can face today, every, apostles, every, I'm sorry, um, everything we face today is at risk. Our livelihood, our relationships, time, money, and some serious cases imprisonment or death. Peer pressure is not something only middle, uh, middle and high school kids face. Adults are still facing the choice of obeying God rather than men every day in their life. We are asked sometimes to do unethical practices at our work life. We are asked to ignore our church's worship service in the Lord's day by our friends and family. We are asked to go to movies or parties that we are not that, are not, that we know are not pleasing to the Lord. Our desire to be like and fit in wars with our desire to obey with God. Obeying God can and will cost you relationships. Some friends and family are not going to stand by your beliefs. 
Think about the Muslim who converted that has been disowned by his family. Or about the Chinese man or woman that has been thrown into a prison for simply obeying God. Or even the Christian that has been put to death for their belief and obedience. I know those are tough examples, but they happen every day in our world. We are usually comfortable doing things until it starts costing us. That is where obedience comes into play. It is not until we are pushed out of our comfort zone before we see growth and results. Recently, I got back into the gym to get rid of what I like to call the, the COVID weight. That's, that's what I've been calling it here lately. Um, I'm sure some of you can relate. Uh, the suit jacket is a little bit, a little more tight. Um, I think I've actually got a new notch on my belt, and it's not going the right way. It's going the other way. So, um, But as I've gotten back into this routine, the first couple weeks were tough. Believe you me, I was looking for every excuse not to go work out. I'm too sore. I'm too tired. I'll be 45, and I know I'm not old, but I think I can start to use that excuse now a little bit. Is say, I'm getting a little old, I just, I just don't feel as good. But uh, if we're not doing our part, God can't do his part on our behalf. We can't expect God to help us when we are not communicating with him. Amen? Four simple things that will help you obey God rather than men is one, is how can we obey God if we don't know his word? We must daily be a student of his word to know what he expects of us. If you're not, start a family devotion. And with these phones that we have nowadays, there's hundreds of apps that have these nifty little reading Bible programs that we can do. It's so easy. So we don't have any excuse when it comes to that. Number two, we must stay close to him. The closest way I know to stay close to him is through prayer. Prayer should be our default setting. Continually be in a state of readiness of prayer, as Paul mentions, to pray without ceasing. We have to have a daily prayer life and not just blessing the food. Prayer keeps us connected to the source. Just as God speaks through his word, allow some quiet time in your prayer. I find personally, God likes to speak when I'm just quiet and I'm alone with him. Just as the apostles were a close group, sorry, number three, stay close to godly brothers and sisters. We can't expect to obey God if we only see each other once or twice a week for an hour or two and then go back to our lives and think that the world is going to encourage us to do the right thing. Everyone in this room should be your friend and family, and a sounding board of encouragement in times of sorrow and temptation, or just someone to talk to. Anyone that knows me has heard me talk about some of the brothers of this church that were crucial to my healing and discipling me into this fold. Lastly, we are better in numbers. We are not meant to do life alone. Number four, 
Do not trust your own strength. Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. We don't need to go into this battle alone. The Holy Spirit has strengthened the apostles as they stood before the powerful men against them, just as we read in the scriptures tonight. Jesus taught the disciples they were not alone in Luke 12, 12. And it says, now when, you, now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and authorities, do not worry in how or what you would, should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that, in that very hour what you ought to say. Amen. Jesus has sent his people out in the world to be his witness of him. That means you and me. He knows the battle that we are sent to fight. God, by his word and spirit, is drawing us to obedience to him. It should be the desire of every Christian to obey God, both in the significant issues and typical day-to-day area of our lives. God gave us, gave us backup, real simple. He's on our side. And we can rest assured that we have favor through him. No matter what part of the journey you're on, whether you are new to this or a seasoned saint, you will be forced to face adversity, decisions and circumstances that will question your obedience. Will you start on fire telling everyone you meet about this Jesus and his life-changing effect that he's had on you? Or will you just find a comfortable spot in the sanctuary, pay your tithes, support the ministry, and dream of what could have been? I believe I'm looking into the faces of the people that are not satisfied with the status quo. God has set this church on a hillside for a reason. God has big plans for the life church. Plans that include expanding this children's wing, finishing our event center, paying off our mortgage, And lastly, the thing I'm excited most for is knocking down these walls to add a total of 1,000 worshipers in this house. You say amen. I believe those are coming very soon. This is our city. This is our time. God has chose each and every one of you for such a time as this. Can you say amen? Let's look at the outcome of their obedience again in verse 19. But at night, An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. So God set them free then commanded them to tell others. How many of us would go right back to what what just got us thrown into prison? I don't know if there would be too many of us. But why were these high priests and other other leaders so mad? about what these apostles were doing. They were simply professing the goodness and the redemptive power in the name of Jesus. I believe this is where we get to the crux of the situation. The captain and officers gathered up the apostles again and said in verse 28, saying, did we not strictly command you to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. 
the God of our fathers, raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. I don't believe these men were mad about these men teaching about Jesus. Just like today, we have several religions. They had several pagan religions back then. No, these men were mad because the blood of Jesus was crying out, and these men were denying it. They felt the guilt and the shame of their actions, just as the man does to this very day. We can easily look around us today and see death, destruction, and confusion that seems to be growing at a rapid pace, even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Just as the two men that were hanging on the cross, one had a choice to deny and the other chose to obey. I think of another example of this. Let's take a look at Genesis 4, 9 through 10. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Just as Abel's innocent blood spoke out, the innocent blood of Jesus that was spilled on Calvary is still speaking out today across this world. Every day, man wakes up and chooses, has choices he's faced with, but those choices or choosing to obey God rather than men will be determining factor of where he will face eternity. It won't be the neighborhood he chose to raise his family. It won't be the career he chooses for his life. It won't be the denomination he chooses to believe in the most. It will simply come down to if he obeyed the commandments of God. We all stand. You know, I remember back in my early 20s, I had recently moved back from Nebraska and was attending what at the time was called Life Tabernacle, the old church building. There for a while, myself and two other men would frequently go up to the church and pray. I remember one specific night, I stood in that church, and I could take you to the very spot. It was, the organ was on the same side, and just I was standing on the, the left of the organ. But I stood in that church, and I promised God that I would never leave this that I would do whatever he asked of me. I remember that feeling, almost like the first time when I got the Holy Ghost. It was so powerful. Yet did I know that a couple years later, the world would once again pull me in. God knew in that moment I would betray I would betray my very own words. But yet, he let me feel that awesome presence. I'm so thankful for the grace and mercies of God. You see, God always knows what he's doing. He let me take that experience and file it away for the future use. And several years later, one early morning, when I felt less than nothing, the feeling of hopelessness, 
and fear was wiped away in an instant from my mind when God reminded me of that night so long ago and the promises I made. As I envisioned that night, Jesus let his presence wash over me once again. This is a memory that I will live with until the day I die. With obedience comes power. With power comes favor. With favor comes anointing. It's time we choose once and for all who we are going to obey. The word of God says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James 1.8. Also Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. I know I may be preaching to the choir, but I can say life is way better to choose to obey him. Life is less stressful. It's more fulfilling. It's more adventurous. It's just a better way to live. Speaking some from someone that's been on both sides of the fence, I would choose this life. I choose to obey God. I would choose to obey my pastor, to be accountable to men in my life. There's no better life than choosing to obey his word. And I'm just gracious and I'm thankful for, for everything that he's done for me. Thank you.